What up, what up, what up? It's your boy Jake Crawford back at you with another episode of Excuse My Bias, the Bias Sports Podcast, the one and only, which is not the one and only because we are all biased. We just have different biases. This is your boy Jake Crawford here. I want to thank everybody for checking out the last few episodes there and subscribing. You guys are awesome. Love all of you guys for helping to grow the podcast and expand the content, creating some good debates there on our social media platforms, which is Excuse My Bias uh, page on Facebook and Excuse My Bias podcast on Instagram. Appreciate everybody there for following and liking the pages there. If you haven't done so, please go ahead and stop by and do that. Uh, Today, we got a really, really quick, really short episode here. Just want to cover a few things. Um, of course, we're going to cover uh, Game 3 in Portland and that disappointment there. Uh, I did want to give a big shout out and give a quick segment to who I will believe will win Coach of the Year, Mike Budenhoser. And lastly, which is kind of the basis of uh, this whole episode, is how hypocritical NBA fans are. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to jump into Game 3 and that... Uh, <laughs> analysis of that game there i'm not gonna spend too much time on it like i said i i told you guys yesterday portland had to come out and win we obviously know that that goes without saying you're down 2-1 nobody's won down 3-0 before that that goes without saying um but they really just had to win because they gave up so many good chances there in oakland um like i said i can see giving up a big lead in oakland Golden State is at home. Their crowd is going to come out in the third quarter. Golden State has a great reputation of having these big, furious runs in the third quarter where they really focus and lock down on defense, and then they can get hit some shots on offense. I've told you guys yesterday, Golden State is really never at a 10 for a full 48 minutes. They're usually at a 7 or 8 for the most of the time, and you got to really capitalize then so when they do hit that 10 and their focus level and their attention that they can't catch up to you. Um same thing played out yesterday. You know, Portland came out, good start there. Uh, definitely came out there and gave themselves a chance. Got up to almost third, 20 points at one point. Um, and then the third quarter came, and it was like <laughs> even their crowd, the crowd that was supposed to be giving them the energy, the momentum to push them forward to go ahead and close out this game and let's make this a real series. They came out nervous, and it feel like Portland came out just as nervous as well. Golden State, as usual, ratcheted up that defense. Draymond Green was tremendous. Prove why he's a Hall of Famer. I've been talking to people on social media all day about that today. The people who disagree, I really don't have any idea how you disagree with that. Three-time champion, three-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, Defensive Player of the Year. He might make a four-time champion this year, and he has another six or seven years to go. I don't even understand how that's a question at this point. Draymond is obviously a Hall of Famer. Came out, played like it, offensively ran the offense beautifully, uh, which is great because for Golden State, it gives them two point guards on the floor with having uh, Draymond and um, obviously having Steph. And then you have other good playmakers like Iggy, even though he had the uh, lower leg, what they said was uh, some pain in the Achilles, but not an Achilles tear. Um was making him questionable for the rest of the series going forward, which I don't think they need him anyway. They'll probably close it out uh, tomorrow and give him plenty of rest into the finals. Um, 
but Draymond played spectacular, just orchestrating it, having that energy, that leadership. You heard it with the mic'd up, how he was getting back on Jordan Bell after he missed the dunk, just saying everybody's done it before. Just showing great leadership there. Steph did what he Steph does. And the scary part is Clay still hasn't really had a great game yet. Clay's just kind of been okay. You know, he's been C plus Clay, B minus Clay. Clay still hasn't had that good good game yet, which I think that could be the call, nail in the coffin for them tomorrow if Clay gets that good Clay game where he's getting 30 points. He had that great chase down block on Evan Turner when he uh, picked Steph and he thought he had one there to kind of cut the lead, I think, a little bit, maybe to like six or something like that with a minute and a half. Great block backs, Clay keeping them up eight, and I think Golden State comes back down and scores. Uh, yeah, I mean, Portland. You know, we're, we're going to get into the hypocrisy of NBA fans a little bit more with my analysis of Portland there with it, uh, and particularly Dame Lillard. And I'm not a Dame hater, so I'm going to give you that dis- dis- disclosure right there and put that disclaimer out there. But we got to be consistent with how we grade these players' performance and how we view them. Um, but, I, you know, this one is over. You know, I don't need to go any further into it. We can kind of all see that there. The Warriors now are 5-0 and without Kevin Durant. Before Kevin Durant got hurt, they were 6-4. and That's in these playoffs. They were 6-4. and And four of those wins came, came against an eighth seed in the Los Angeles Clippers. So, you know, one versus eight is supposed to get those anyway. So I don't even know how much you can value those wins. And the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors-Houston series, they were 2-2 two and two with Kevin Durant in games that he finished and 2-0 and oh without Kevin Durant uh, in games that he didn't finish or he didn't play at all. And now they're 5-0 and oh without them. If you count these three games with Portland. Take with that as you must. Uh, we're going to move on with that. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into Milwaukee, Toronto. Um, like I said, I, I'm hoping for a gentleman's sweep at best for Toronto. It's going to be tough. Uh, I believe Milwaukee has that killer instinct coming up with them, but this is the game kind of like Portland had where game three, when you're the road team is always your, your, that's, that's almost like your game one and you got to come out and get those, especially if you're down two, you got to get those two right there to try to make it a series. Um, but game three should almost be looked at as a given when you're the home team uh, down 0-2. You got to look at that as a given. And then game four is the big one. Um, not confident, honestly, <laughs> in Toronto getting it. I feel like Milwaukee has that look in their eye. Uh, Budenhoser, who I'm about to give a shout-out to, is just coaching them up just perfectly. Um I want to go Toronto. I probably am going to go Toronto tonight just because I'm kind of picking with my heart. This is my bias. And I wanted to go a little bit further. And I want Kawhi to get one good, one more good performance to uh, kind of encapsulate this great playoff run he had this year. But um, it's not going to be not looking too good going forward, in my opinion. Milwaukee looks like they might be the juggernaut to win the whole thing with or without KD playing for Golden State. Uh, Milwaukee just looks incredible. Um, and with that, I'm going to jump into uh, just my shout-out for Mike Budenhoser, man. I, I think he's such an underrated coach there. I personally underrated him uh, greatly, you know. And um, I touched on it a little bit yesterday on my predictions on who will win uh, what awards. Uh, but I kind of just wanted to expound upon that with uh, Mike Budenhoser because it really did, after that, you know, Mike Budenhoser had the Atlanta Hawks. He was the head coach of them. 
Um, and he had them to a 60 win game, a oh, 60 win season, excuse me, back in the 2014, 2015 season. And his style is just really, he just really has a great feel for offenses and how to spread the floor, how to get the ball with multiple playmakers and and, sh- and good shooting around them to space the floor. Um, he's he's really done a remarkable job with that, even since Atlanta. But with Atlanta, he didn't have a real big centerpiece uh, player who he could really build around, who could really draw double teams at a high degree. His best player was probably Paul Millsap, who was a good player. But he, I mean, you know, he's, he's Paul Millsap. He's a good player. He could be an all-star every now and then, but he's not a generational player, not an all all NBA uh, first team type guy like he has now with Giannis. But even with those Atlanta teams, I mean, he has six guys who average double figures. I mean, this shows you this, this kind of continues with Milwaukee, how deep they are and how they go to the bench with, you know, uh, Ilyasova and uh, George Hill, all of those guys that, you know, that, that bench mob there, um, and even with Malcolm Brogdon, you know, as well with that. I mean, it it just shows how he builds his team because he was also the general manager in Atlanta. So it wasn't just that, excuse me, that he was the head coach. He actually built that team in Atlanta as well. Um, and I'm sure he had his input with Milwaukee. I'm not sure if he's the general manager this year as well, but I know he has had to have his input uh, just knowing how good of a general manager he is and how well together he puts his teams that to me that's just you know incredible there for him and I, I think he definitely deserves that that shout out there um as well you know well he's not the example just looking up here it looks like John Horse is the uh, GM but I'm sure Budenhoser and him are tied at the hip with the decision making because they made the team very much in the same respects as they made that Atlanta Hawks team there because really with the Atlanta Hawks team, I don't know how much more you could have squeezed out of that. I mean, you got your 60 wins there. They went, uh, you know, deep into the playoffs. They went all the way to the conference finals in the playoffs. You just ran into LeBron. I think that's just a, 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 you know, that's just a credit to how great LeBron is. It's how he can dominate a game and make guys around him better and play above their head. And just, just, you know, just put guys in spots to win and manage games, even when he doesn't have his two second and third best player. That's just a credit to LeBron. That's not a knock on Budenhoser, even though I think that became a knock on Budenhoser because they were looking at it. Well, this is a 60-win team. You have everybody healthy. Everybody on Cleveland is hurt. And one guy beats you. Well, it's not that one guy beats you. That one guy knows how to put everybody else in place and make sure that everybody else, you know, performs at a high level there. Because, I mean, he had J.R. Smith playing at 18 points a game level, which is very, very well over J.R. Smith's level. And LeBron was just incredible that series. He averaged 30, 11, and 9. I mean, it's just, that's just a generational player that you're losing to. But as a coach, especially playing with a guy, coaching a team that doesn't have any all-NBA guys, still was a great coaching job. And I feel like it's, it's so satisfying to see that now he has an all-NBA guy. He has a generational guy. And he comes back out again and wins another 60 games. And they got a chance to win the NBA championship right now. And if they can re-sign Middleton, and, which looks pretty good because I think Middleton is happy there. 
I don't know if it, he doesn't seem like the guy who's going to go just to get that ring and just hurry up and get a check somewhere else. Because Milwaukee can still pay him. You know, they might not pay him as much, but I think he'll be happy there too. And I think they can kind of reload and, and get them back up. You know, Milwaukee might be a team going forward to be very tough to deal with, especially with Golden State, you know, possibly coming back to the pack a little bit with KD leaving and maybe going to the East. Um, so I, I just want to get that big shout out to Mike Budenhoser right there. I think he's done an awesome job there. And uh, I think he deserves that Coach of the Year award. Uh, like I said, my last segment, because we're going to keep this one pretty short. Hip, you know, hypocrisy, man, with, with NBA fans. You know, I, I, I put out some, some posts there on the Excuse My Bias podcast, IG page and, and Facebook page, just basically going over Dame Lillard's, you know, his, his ineffectiveness, man. I'm his, his, his poor performance. And I'm a Dame Lillard fan from that big shot. I, I've credited him, at, you know, when I was talking about who had the better shot between him and Kawhi. I said, it's Dame. He pulled up from 50 feet damn near with the game on the line. You know what I'm saying? With the game on the line, with the series on the line. Waved them boys goodbye. He played incredibly. Looked like the NBA first team player that he is. But, you know, you got to give it as much as you take it. And in this series, he's just been horrible. I mean, game one against uh, these Golden State Warriors, he's 4-12 with seven turnovers. And I know the report came out today. He's playing with separated ribs that he got in game two with Looney falling on him, which I, I saw that. And I, I kind of caught it because he pulled and grabbed on the, you know, that side of his ribs right immediately. So it definitely looks like it's a valid injury. But, however, you know, the the claim, the, the source also said he plays through injuries all the time. And that that's that's a tough injury, no question. But guys play with that in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Guys play with that in the playoffs. It's not. I'm not going to use that as an excuse for all the bad numbers. Because in game one, he didn't, he didn't have that injury. He was four for 12 with seven turnovers. In game two, he actually shot it a little bit better. He was six for 16, but still not highly effective. And then yesterday, he was five of 18. And he had one at the end of the game where he had to bank it in for three. He was trying to draw a foul. So, I mean, he really could have easily been four for 19 with five turnovers. That's, that's just not good. And I just call out NBA fans for being hypocritical because when Kyrie was playing bad this this <laughs> this postseason against Milwaukee. When he was having those horrible shooting games, we killed him. We said, hey, he can't do it without Big Brother. He got to go back to L.A. He's calling Braun now. He's coming back crying on his knees. He needs help. He's, he's always going to be the second fiddle. When Westbrook was, you know, was losing, he had those bad shooting games. Hey, what did he ran off KD. This is why KD didn't want to play with you. You never won in the first round without KD. Mind you, KD never, never got, never played, never won a series without Westbrook or Steph Curry either. But that's neither here nor there. But um, it's just a hypocrisy with NBA fans and the NBA uh, debate community is what I, maybe is what I would say is we got to be consistent with these judgments and these thoughts on our on you know grading players. We can't just be tough on the guys that we don't like or tough on the guys who are. Uh, you know, maybe like lightning rods for attention. Because I get it. Yeah, I get it. Westbrook brings a lot of attention to him. Kyrie, I can't say so much. You know, Kyrie kind of just balls. He doesn't make a whole lot of waves in the media. He does a little bit, you know, when he kind of backpedaled with the whole, I'm staying in Boston, um, you know, now I don't owe anybody shit, all that type shit. I get that. But for the most part, Kyrie's kind of still a mild-mannered guy like that. And I just feel like everybody loves Dane, which is, which is no problem. I love Dame too, but it's certain guys that I feel like they they are so 
liked that people never even, you know, get on them about anything. Dirk Nowitzki had the same thing, you know, in his prime, his career. When Dirk would lose in the first first round, people, some people would get on him, but, you know, that never really carried with Dirk as bad as what, you know, we hit Westbrook, as bad as we hit Kyrie. Just look at the mentions. I mean, if you just, I don't, I don't have to bring up the, the, the statistics, but if you just look at the mentions, when Kyrie and, and Westbrook played bad this, this uh, postseason, their mentions are way up. Everybody's commenting on how bad they are. Everybody is. When Dame does it, eh, it's just a blip, you know. And I get it. They are overmatched in this series. But if they play the way they played OKC, if they played the way they played in certain games against Denver, which I get it, those are different teams. Not as experienced, not as well old. But they still play well enough in this series here to win some games. You can't be up 18, up 20 points, up 15 points on these teams and then say you just you're just outmatched no you you don't know how to finish out the games and you're not coming up big in certain situations again what's what i was talking about yesterday was situational basketball situational awareness awareness of knowing when to do what and how to effectively manage a game this is where he is he doesn't have the experience doing that him or cj and that's fine you had to go into your growing pains of learning how to do that but part of the growing pains is criticism. <laughs> part of the growing pains is criticism. So we can't leave him above reproach for criticism. You know, like he's playing horribly. Let's get on him. He will get better from it. I'm still a big supporter of Dane. And he will come back next year. Maybe, you know, Nurkic gets healthy. Maybe they add one more guy. One more year with Rodney Hood there. They can end up, you know, still being in, in, in a very good position next year. Coming back with that same team. Maybe adding a couple pieces here and there. They could be in a very good position again with KD most likely leaving Golden State and going back east. It's going to bring everybody kind of back back to the pack where Golden State is still the best team. But that gap is way is way smaller now. And now, you know, one bad series, one bad stretch, an injury, anything like that can make it a wide open Western Conference. So all of this, all of this, all I'm asking for is this consistency with holding guys accountable and it's actually it's going to actually benefit him because now when he reads those comments, when he hears all this backlash for how bad he's playing, I think it's going to inspire him even more to come back and do that. So I'm just calling out the NBA debate community there. Stop being hypocritical. Hold everybody to the same accord. You get on Braun, you get on Westbrook, you get on Kyrie, you get on Steph, you get on all these guys, KD. You get on all these guys when they have a horrible game. They have three bad games in a row. Don't do the same for Dame. He's not left out. He's not beyond reproach. So, again, I told you, very short podcast today. Wasn't going to hold you guys up. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast there and subscribing to our podcast. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes. Again, our social media is Excuse My Bias Facebook page, Excuse My Bias Podcast on IG. This is your boy, Jay Crawford. Excuse My Bias, the bias sports podcast here. The one and only, but not the one and only because we are all biased. We just have different biases. Thank you so much for listening in today. You take care. Have a good one. Peace.